Hey, if you're enjoying this show, uh, consider supporting us on our Patreon. You can get cool perks like access to these episodes a week before they go public, and you can pick an album for us to review. Any support is greatly appreciated, so if you feel inclined, go to patreon.com slash polyphonicpress. You're listening to Polyphonic Press, a podcast for music lovers. Join your hosts, Jeremy Boyd and John Van Dyke, as they take a deep dive into a classic album and analyze it track by track. Hey, welcome to Polyphonic Press. I'm Jeremy Boyd. And I'm John Van Dyke. And uh, basically, if you don't know how the show works, we have no idea what album we're going to be listening to. Uh, we have uh, an album generator that we pick the albums from. So we're going to hit the button and see what album we're going to be listening to this week. And the album we're going to be listening to is Richard and Linda Thompson, I Want to See the Bright Lights Tonight. Okay. Yeah, I can't ne- say I'm. <laughs> can't say I'm. I'm familiar either. Uh, Thompson. Okay, so let's figure out who these people are. Um. So Linda Thompson is one of the most recognized names and voices in the British folk rock mu- movement of the 1970s and 1980s, hmm. in collaboration with uh, fellow British. Uh, folk rock musician guitarist Richard Thompson to whom she was married for 10 years and later as a solo artist Um, Hmm. born in in Hackney London she moved uh, with her family to her mother's home of Glasgow Scotland Um, okay so she's a British folk singer with and this album is with her husband um, what I guess was it's the name of the album. I want to see the bright lights tonight. I'm this guessing is, they're. I'm guessing they're one of those acts that was big in the UK, but didn't quite make it across the ocean. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of artists like that. Um. So this is their second album. The second album released by Richard Thompson, their first album together. Um, uh, so I don't, I don't know who Richard Thompson is. Who's Richard Thompson? Um, okay, so he's uh, he was in a few bands called. He was in a band called Fairport Convention. Oh, I've heard of them. Okay, uh, the Bunch. Not familiar with them. Um. Yeah, I have no idea about this album. We'll uh, learn a little bit more as we go through. But um, so what's the background of that? After the marked su- lack of success achieved by his first album, Hem- <laughs> Henry the Human Fly, <laughs> <laughs> British singer, songwriter, and guitarist Richard Thompson started a personal and professional relationship with Linda Peters, a session singer. Um, I want to see the bright lights tonight was the first album by the duo of Richard and Linda Thompson. Uh, sessions for the album took place in the spring of 1973 at the sound of at the sound technique studio in Chelsea, London. Uh, the house engineer, John Wood co-producing the album, um, with Richard Thompson, 
where his first album was treated harshly by the critics, the second was eventually hailed as a masterpiece, and it is now regarded as a classic of English folk rock and one of the Thompson's finest achievements. Okay, so the first song on the album is called When I Get to the Border. Uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That yeah, was, so far so good. I like the uh um the uh all the different solos in there. Um mm-hmm. and they were ju- they were short, but there was a lot of them and they were all the instruments were kind of like trading off. Yeah. Um so I thought that was pretty cool. Well, it was uh I noticed it was mostly between uh the guitar and the uh Oh, I guess it was an accordion or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were also some flutes in there. And, yeah, there was uh, some other stuff going on yeah. in there, too. Uh, but each solo seemed to have its own character to it. Yeah. That was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting uh, blend of... Uh, I mean, I, it, I, you totally call it folk rock because it's, it's like a... It, it's got a very uh, British folk air to it but it's also got a a certain you know 1970s rock thing to it It, it's not a hard rock thing but it's it's got that um oh what would you call i mean you would call it uh like a folk rock but it's it's not uh it's not like the birds or anything like that it's something it's more like uh it's really more like the flying burrito brothers yeah Um, maybe yeah okay like that country rock kind of thing because there was, even yeah. though it's British, I think there was some hints of country in there. Yeah. Maybe like, yeah, the later birds, maybe I yeah. could sort of hear that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And it, uh, I don't know. There was, there was also, it was, it was also very British. I could see there were some elements that would work as a, a soundtrack to like um, a, a, a movie set in medieval times or something like that. It's not necessarily the, the some of the rhythms I guess and some of the melodies. Yes. You know. Well, a lot of uh like uh the British folks sort of sound is very old. It didn't it hasn't changed much in yeah. literally hundreds of years, so mm-hmm. almost a thousand years actually. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, it's uh it's definitely got its unique sort of sound, but, but it's like, it's identify it, it's e- like instantly identifiable when you hear it. It's just like, oh yeah. But of course you could, you, you hear a lot of, like, you think of like uh stuff from like the East coast, the East coast of Canada anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's very definitely inspired by that because it well originally would have come from that era yeah. area. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. I'm curious about the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, let's get on to the second song, which is called "The Calvary Cross." Um, I was expecting that song to be a lot longer. <laughs> I don't know why. I thought I was thinking it should go on um, for at least a few more minutes. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's almost four minutes long already. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's one of those songs that actually had a little bit more uh, life in it. I think maybe if it had like a chorus in it or something like that, it, it would make it. I think it, yeah. it sort of needed that, but it's still, it's pretty decent. Um, yeah. The fact that it didn't 
feel long enough at almost four minutes um it's sort of neat i love the yeah. uh the guitar intro yeah i thought that was that really was cool. really cool I, I, and maybe that's partly why i thought it was going to go on longer because yeah. that lasted that was like the first 30 seconds yeah um and then it's and and then the 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 song was slow to get going and then it just had this sort of laid back kind of feel that it felt like it should be given the space to to it it just feels incomplete to me yeah um you know what i mean yeah it felt a little bit incomplete but it's not um not you know um fatally so no it's still it's still pretty decent i mean it's not the sort of song that I expect to be a single. No. There. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 there's some, it's a decent track for something that feels a little incomplete and yeah. yet not long enough. Yeah. Weirdly enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, uh, the song itself, it, it's weird. It, it, it doesn't sound like something from the seventies. It, um, I don't know. It sounds like something much later than that. Like something from, I don't know. It, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't sound like it has a time period. Yeah. Like it, it's, it, it's a kind of a timeless sound. It doesn't, yeah. it's not something you point to and say, oh, that's very seventies. Yeah. Um, unless of course you live in Britain and you're aware of the song because right. you heard it back in the seventies. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah. For us hearing it for the first time, it's it could have been released anything, maybe not well, in, in some circles I think it could be released today. Um yeah. but I would say anywhere between, you know, the seventies and the nineties, it would stand up. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think of a band like um uh I don't know. Um I think the Wallflowers or uh Yeah. So, well, some band black like crows could, could do it the black crows could do it yeah so, some band like that like mm -hmm. uh, uh like a rootsy rock band yeah could it sounds like that to me um so yeah it, it doesn't um you know it's funny it's the the term rootsy rock is i associate it with like the 90s but it's it, it it harkens back to an earlier time, but this sounds like it's a weird circle. Yeah, I know. Circular thing. It, it, it's this song from the seventies sounds like a song from the nineties. It sounds like sound. a song from the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, that's also true, but, but again, um, Oh, the sound production makes it sound a lot more modern. Yeah. It's, um, I, I I, I think I associate the seventies with a lot of dry, um, and, uh, like very, very little reverb. I'm it's like a room or... dryness, but it's yeah. not completely dry. And actually yeah. this, this, this has that sort of sound, but it's, it's one of those sounds that, um, when it's not paired with like other, like, uh, you know, instrumental sounds that, 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 that speak very much of the 1970s. It yeah. still sounds very fresh yeah. in a lot of ways. Well, when I think of 70s dry sound, I think of like, um, 
A good example is is uh, Fleetwood Mac uh, rumors, yeah. where uh, like I think they actually um, like they put towels on the drums and they tried to get the the sound as 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 uh, they put as much uh, absorptive material on yeah. the walls to try and and that's Soak the sound that I associate yeah. with the seventies. So and I'm not saying th- like this doesn't have a ton of reverb reverb on it, but you can just you can hear the room tone. You yeah. can hear the studio, um, and that's the sound that I associate with sort of later on. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, the seventies, there was a lot of different studio sounds. Well, then you think then you think of like the like Led Zeppelin and when the levee breaks and all the huge reverb on the drums on that song. It's like, yeah. but that's you know, but it's not a gated reverb. It's a very yeah, yeah. I mean, that's them recording in the stairwell of uh, of an old manor. Yeah, so. Although they did, they did, they do have a delay on the drums. Yeah. It's a hot, that's a hotly debated thing, but I, I saw a video recently, um, basically debunking the fact that all the, the Led Zeppelin fans are, no, he didn't, he didn't have a delay on the drums. And yeah, he did. Yeah. I think there's a delay on the drums, but, but they got a, a much bigger sound by recording where they recorded it, but then added. Yeah. To, to make it even bigger. Cause again, yeah. they're just trying to achieve a sound and they're yeah. using all the tricks they can. They're not trying to be as pure of all oh, it, it, I, it had, it can't be doctored at all. We're going right. to make sure that we record it in this one space and then never touch it again. That's yeah. not what they were going for. They were going yeah. for a certain sound and they achieved part of that sound by using the stairwell. Yeah. And then the rest of it by putting the reverb on it. Yeah. Um, and that's that's part of the that's what annoys me about um people who don't know a lot about music production um is they think that if you can't uh like reproduce the studio exactly live then it's not worth doing and there i agree to a certain extent but uh, there is a difference between playing live and making a record and you can cut a record live, but your ultimate goal is to make the record sound as good as possible. Um, and if you do things on the record that you can't necessarily do live, that's not a bad thing because you're just, your goal is to make the record, um, and worry about the live stuff later. Uh, but you know, maybe it's an arbitrary, arbitrary, line to be drawn of you know when auto-tune and things like that come in so i don't really know (laughs) i mean even for things like that i mean i think again it's that know the rules before you break them yeah um even if you are going to use those things i would use them in an artistic way not because the industry says that you have to make it as polished and clean and quite frankly sanitary as possible like they have it like hospital operating room sanitary (laughs) and it's just not human anymore it's clean and perfect exactly i i like things with a little bit of dirt kicked on them yeah i mean yeah you want it to you want to make it sound as good as possible but you don't want it to be so perfect that it doesn't sound like humans right 
you know? So I know, I think that I'm just, well, I guess what I'm saying is there's a balance. Of course. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. As always, we get off on a tangent, but, <laughs> um, the, uh, the next song is, uh, a happy jolly tune called withered and died. Wow. Uh, that was a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that band? This sound, the, her voice sounds like the singer in that band. Um, another rootsy rock band from the nineties. Oh, um, um, are you thinking of the cranberries? No. Um, no. cause she kind of sounds like that too, but, um, 10,000 maniacs. Oh yes. They, she sounds way more like that. It's true. Yeah. I can really hear that. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, but I think they're also British. I think both those bands were from the they, UK. They might be. Yeah. Um, um, so I wouldn't be at all surprised if they were familiar with this record and were influenced by it. Well, the th- although, you know, it's hard, hard enough. I mean, they just, I guess their voices sort of sound like that, but mm-hmm. the singing style also helps. Yeah. I mean, and they're, yeah. they're playing similar yeah. styles of music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I was actually just reading as we were listening th- this album, we were saying earlier that this album was, was big in England, but apparently it wasn't, it was panned by critics or ignored completely when it came out it's i guess it's one of those things that um became popular later Mm -hmm. um uh yeah they they were saying that his first album was panned by critics and this one got acclaimed well i i think this one got a little more attention okay it wasn't like a huge hit or anything like that okay um still decent i mean yeah i mean it's i can't say I mean, listening to this thing, I certainly there's I've got nothing really bad to say about it. So I mean, we're only three songs in, but still, yeah, um, that's still pretty strong. Yeah, it's a pretty strong album. Yeah, I think a lot. Maybe I don't know how popular folk was in thing. England in the early seventies because in England it maybe more so it was in America, but in England it seemed to be like hard rock and blues were the thing in the early seventies that everybody was paying attention to. Yeah. But there's always other camps though. I I think there's always been a, a sort of a, a, a folk presence and, and folk rock seems to be a natural progression of that. Yeah. And I know there were a lot of folk rock bands that came out of um, Great Britain and, and other and then Scotland and Ireland and yeah, even places in Europe. Um, but I'm, I'm and just thinking North America. Yeah. So. But I'm just thinking of bands who, who were getting press at the time and who were getting, you know, promoted. yeah, it was more of an underground scene. Yeah. For the most part. Um, but I have a hard time seeing it being panned. Um, <laughs> well, I don't think it was panned. I think it's, it didn't say that it was panned by critics. It was just ignored. Ignored. Like they didn't yeah, even well, bother. A lot to, of, a lot of great stuff has been ignored yeah. and it has, it takes some time to get recognized. Yeah. But, uh, that I believe. Yeah. Which is, um, I mean, I understand it. I mean, you can't, 
you it's impossible to know about everything yeah. but uh yeah the top sh- 40 only has so much space it only has space for 40 songs 40 songs yeah exactly at any given time yeah yeah and there's way way more stuff out there than that yeah um but yeah so far it's uh at least the first three songs i'm probably going to be adding to my rotation so mm-hmm. yeah I, I'm really liking this album so far. Um, so, uh, moving on to the next one, the next song is called, I want to see the bright lights tonight, which is the, uh, title. Yeah. So let's hear that one. Now that song could have been a hit. Yeah. That one sounds like, um, they were aiming for a a single for that one. I think, Mm Mm-hmm. It sounded very more like a, it almost sounded like a, a glam rock song. Yeah. Um, yeah. With it was the, still uh, a little bit more on the folky side and it had those, um, it had sort of like that, that brass band, like uh Salvation Army brass band sort of sound in the background, almost yeah. like, uh, you know, the Beatles had on Sergeant Pepper or something like that, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of a neat sort of blend in there. Um, with a, a song that sounded like it could have been done by like T-Rex or something like that. It yeah. was very interesting. I like Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was, yeah, this album is really, um, it's living up to its hype. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting and it's, yeah. it's, um, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that's getting me like really excited right away, but it's one of those things where it's like, I'm just kind of smiling at what's happening. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I see what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like it's, and that's kind of nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And <laughs> each song is different than the last, but it still fits mm-hmm. like it, they're, you know, it, every song isn't a repeat of the last one, but, um, but it still all makes sense within the context of the album. So that's hard to do. (laughs) Yeah. I'm it's yes and no. I mean, it's a little bit easier to do when you think about if you've got like a, a group of musicians and it's hard for those musicians not to sound like those musicians. Mm -hmm. So sometimes all they have to do is, um, you know, play their stuff and then have a, a certain, um, sound, uh, technician or style sort of, uh, help blend it all together where you listen to a bunch of songs that weren't actually on an album, but you can tell that they were done during the same sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing jarring really between the songs. Yeah. Um, and it's quite, yeah, like like I said, this is just it it's it's living up to uh what people say. This is like, oh, this is a masterpiece and this these people that I, I don't know who the hell they were. They're yeah. great though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um yeah, I can see why it's included on the uh on the list of yep. albums you need to hear. Um Yeah, uh so I'm I'm curious to see what's going to come up to the next one. Um so the next one has an interesting title. It's uh, Down Where the Drunkards Roll. So here we go. Oh, Rolling Drunkards. Yeah. Yep. You can't have folk music without 
Rolling drunkards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that song was kind of perfect. Um, interesting combo with the uh, acoustic guitar and the uh, um, the Fender Rhodes. Mm-hmm. There's also and, a dulcimer playing on there. Yeah, yeah. And um, the um, the way on the second pass in the chorus when he was singing in that really low voice against her high voice, I thought that was a really cool counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just, you know, and I don't, I can't think of anything that the song, anything more that the song needed. No, um, no, just, I it didn't need anything else. I was listening around to see how much stuff was actually in there, but there, I mean, yeah, it, they kept it very pared down. Yeah. Um, it was very stripped down. I think it was just the three instruments plus the two voices. Yeah. And yep. even the two voices was on like one line. It was really mostly her voice. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, I can't, I, there, there it's, it's a minimal song, but it's, it, it doesn't feel, it still feels full. Like it still feels yeah, like the space is filled up. Like it doesn't feel like, there's anything missing or there needs to be anything added on or anything like that. Yeah. Space is filled up, but it's not busy filled up. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's hard to be busy with only with, with just what they've used, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it certainly didn't sound like it was lacking anything. Yeah. Which is, uh, it's really inter- interesting. I mean, I guess that's, that's a testament to the, to the song, uh, the writing of the song itself, I think. Mm-hmm. It's a very well-written song. I'm not sure which one of them wrote. Maybe they wrote it together or if somebody else outside even wrote it. So um, no idea. Well, the, uh, I think, well, all the tracks are credited to Richard Thomas or okay. Thompson. Um, so I think he probably wrote it. Okay. Um, He's a good songwriter. Yeah. Um, I'm sure she helped, but, uh, he's, he's the only credited writer except, um, well, I think he probably wrote the song, brought it in. Yeah. um, And then they probably, uh, um, you know, tightened up any loose ends in the studio Mm -hmm. as, as you do with things like this. Um, but yeah. All right. No, it's good. Um, So, uh, I was just reading the credits um and the um so you were talking earlier about the brass section on the previous song um and that's actually the uh i guess it's the manchester cws silver band so it's Hmm. like the brass band of the city of manchester Uh, so that's kind of cool they play on two of the songs one on number four and number seven Okay. So they actually play on the next song, which is a good segue. No, it's not this. Not, not in the next one. It's I'm... the one after that. But yeah, <laughs> it's coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, the next one is called We Sing Hallelujah. So here we go. No resolve. Cool. Hmm. 
Um, I like it when songs don't have a resolve. <laughs> they just, they just end. sort of end on a, uh, on a note that you don't even expect them to end on. Just, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's another song I think could have been a hit or released as a single. It's a yeah. bit weird. It's a bit out there, but I think it could have in the, in the time period, I think it could have been. Yeah. I think, yeah, it would definitely had a better chance in the time period. Um, if it's not necessarily a hit, I could see it being a very popular song amongst folkies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I could see people playing this at like summer folk or something like that. Yeah. And, and people getting into it. It's just, it, it has that real vibe to it. Um, yeah, it, it's a very folk song. It's almost like a Stan Rogers sort of thing. Yeah. Um, especially the, the cadence and, oh, and the way he's singing, it's yeah. very that much that sort of, I guess, almost Irish accent. Almost. Yeah. Um, it's not Irish. It's, uh, well, I guess it's that, uh, sort of man. I mean, sort of man. I don't know. It, it seems like a Northern England sort of thing. Yeah. There's so many different, like, uh, I mean, you, you drive 10 miles in England and you're going to hear a different accent. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, I mean, they're all British accents, but they're all, there's like unique, it's really strange. Uh, you don't get that sort of thing around here. I mean, there are definite regional accents in North America, but you got to go quite a ways before you're immersed in a different accent. Yeah. Um, it's not that way in England. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, how like, little you have to travel to get to people who sound quite different than you. Sometimes not even different towns. Sometimes sometimes it's different neighborhoods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. different different neighborhoods in London for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just uh, different farming communities, different uh, villages, whatever. They just seem to have their own uh, accents. Um. I'm no expert on which one is which, but yeah. You know, I can definitely pick out different ones and say, oh, yeah, that's that other one. I don't remember where it's from exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a different one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I was going to say something, but I can't remember what it is. <laughs> uh, was this one about accents? I think so. Oh, yeah. Actually, um, apparently... Um, musicians are better at imitating accents than non-musicians. I'll believe it. Because I guess, I I don't know why. Um, Interesting. I think, uh, I think it's got something to do with like the performing arts in general, mm -hmm. but then a lot of like, uh, you notice a lot of actors more than you realize are musically inclined Mm -hmm. as well. Um, and and comedians too, um, yeah. uh, and they can throw an accent on there. Oh yeah, you think of like Bill Bailey and mm -hmm. the guys like talented up the wazoo, and yeah. yeah, he he can do basically any dialect and can identify where they're from because yeah. again he's from there. <laughs> I saw so, um, but he's also an amazing musician. Yeah, I saw um, Fred. Uh, you you know Fred Armisen. Yes. 
Yeah, I I never used to like him, but I I've he's grown on me. I know mm. I saw him do a video of uh just he had a huge map of the United States and he was yeah. going around and and explaining the different accents of different Okay, that should be good. of the US. It was really interesting. Uh, and imitating them? And imitating them. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah, that'd probably be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember um it's interesting cuz uh you know the um when I was a kid, we had uh, friends that lived in the States and we would go down and visit them. And, um, they were in Michigan, but they also had more of a Southern accent, but they also had the Midwest kind of accent as well. It was, that's an interesting blend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, uh, interesting. And, and it's like that accent is unique to that area. And it's, it's weird. It is a lot like England where it's, it's, the United States definitely has different accents for different regions, but it's not as uh, concentrated like it is in England. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, uh, but uh, apparently musicians and that gets like Fred Armisen is, is also a musician and he, uh, and apparently like musicians are better at imitating and picking out accents and can, and men are better at uh, doing impressions as well. I can believe that. So, yeah. Well, it takes that ear. Yeah. I mean, if you've got an ear for one, you can usually have the ear for the other. Yeah. It's uh, it's just a certain way of listening that I guess the average person isn't necessarily, you know, they're not trained to do that necessarily. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Let's get on to the next track, I guess. Move on to the next one. Uh, it's called Has He Got a Friend for Me? Cool. Uh, she has a really good voice. Yeah. I have heard that song before. Not this version. Yeah. Um, I'm familiar with the song. Uh, I believe it's the same song. I think Maria McKee covered it. Oh. Okay. So, and I was unaware okay. it was a cover. That's a very um, good song. It is. Okay. I forgot about her. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So I'm beginning to th like, I'm beginning to think this album had a huge influence on, on the roots rock of the late eighties and nineties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's another artist. That's really great actually. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's, it's, it's always, that's always the way it happens. It's, mm -hmm. um, artists get influenced by an under, an unknown or little known band. And the artists that are influenced by that little known band are the ones that, that get the recognition. Um, but sometimes it helps boost the, uh, the recognition of, of the original uh, album and the original artists as well yeah um but yeah it, it's it's kind of hard for something to chart at that point because it's yeah. old at that point um but uh yeah and, and it winds up getting passed around for people to say oh this is great here listen to this yeah um and then it winds up being like a good seller but it's not charting because there's 
new stuff that takes its place. Right. Um, it's so very uh, rarely does something, you know, thir- uh, 10, 20, 30 years old manage to chart, you know, that posthumously. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's, it's, um, it's, uh, the term gets thrown around a lot, but it is, it's, it's ahead of its time. And it's, um, you know, it, it it's like we were saying earlier, like this, this doesn't sound like it has a specific time period. I mean, it was recorded and released in 1973, mm-hmm. but like you were saying, like it could have been put out yesterday and you wouldn't be able to really tell the difference unless you knew. Um, so it, you know, it, I'm trying to think about like what was going on at the time that this was released and trying to compare it to other things, but there isn't anything in that time period that you can really compare it to. Um, um, I can't, there was, I'm trying to think of other bands. Sometimes you could hear stuff like this in like vendor graph generator or, which they were sort of a prog band, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of prog rock, honestly, that was on the uh, folkier side mm-hmm. when you went digging into into it. And and the more obscure the band, sometimes the more likely you'll you're come you're going to come across like this folk rock sort of thing mixed in there. Yeah, because um, again, these guys were just willing to throw anything at the wall mm-hmm. and see what sticks. Um, uh, yeah, there's a lot more of that going on, especially in the early seventies and even the late sixties. Um, and yeah, I think this just came straight out of that, yeah. but uh, it was a little more, well, actually they experimented a little bit cause it was that one track that was very glam actually. Mm-hmm. Um, what we talked about earlier. Um, yeah, I think that's just, that's the crowd. I mean, he was with, uh, what was it? Did you say uh, Fairport convention? Yeah. Yeah. It's that, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. He's right in, in that whole group there. So, yeah, that's that's where he's coming from anyway. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um but the but but at the same time they're kind of doing their own thing. You know, yeah, they're absolutely. Not, I mean, you think of all all of these songs or most of these songs are under four minutes. You know, you think of prog rock as being this Yeah. These, you know, eight minute epics. You know? <laughs> yeah, but I mean it, yeah, it's true. Um, but not all of them were. It, it, you'd right. be surprised, man, when you start going into like some of the underground stuff and you get some some of the acid rock. But amongst all that stuff, there's these folk rock gems and these, uh, yeah, prog rock things that you'd be surprised. They don't really fall into into uh, the category. Again, like the eight minute epic songs was really that was getting towards when prog rock was starting to get a little bit bloated right i mean there was the odd song that could absolutely work that way and even in the late later stuff it could work that way but i'm talking about on the early early side of stuff when it was still i mean it was being experimental but it wasn't experimental for the sake of being experimental it was right experimental for the sake of trying something new mm-hmm. because it was actually kind of new and exciting and there wasn't actually a pressure to do something different in fact it was kind of flying in the face of the pressure to do something the same as everybody else yeah um yeah so i yeah i guess in in that in this is in that spirit of well they're not 
And, you know, the, the sales of the album reflect that. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> nobody was, at the time, nobody was listening to this. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got uh, three songs left on the album. Um, and so the next one is called The Little Beggar Girl. That was fun. Yep. I like that good, one. Good, good lyrics in that one. I yeah. like that one. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know what, what to say about it. I mean, I, I like the song and everything. I just, I don't know. I uh, like, there's nothing I would change. There's, you know, it all, everything fit together. I mean, it's just kind of perfect the way it is. Yeah. Um, this is another really good folk track. Um, yeah. With a little bit of a an electric kick behind it, it's kind of de- mm. decent. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, um, I like the melody too. The melody was really catchy. Yeah, um, intricate yeah, a, too. Intricate. Yeah, yeah. Um, unusual and uh, yeah. I I don't know what else to say. I really like that song. That might be my favorite so far, but I don't know. I don't know if it's it's hard to pick a favorite. Yeah. On this one. Yeah, it it's uh I think we've only got the two songs left on this album. The two songs, The End of the Rainbow and The Great Valerio. Yeah. I think then we're going into bonus tracks. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um yeah, so uh did you have anything else you wanted to say about No, really. I mean, it's uh, you know, good good little folk song. I don't know to uh you know, really specify anything else on that, but it's, uh, um, yeah, it's just kind of, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Yeah. I like it. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it that we haven't already yeah. covered on the rest of the album, really. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So the, uh, the next song is called the end of the rainbow. Here we go. Well, that was kind of a depressing song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh that, that that's the downer track, but that's okay. Yeah. Um every good folk album needs needs a, the the uh, kick in the teeth song. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Tis, um it's a long folk tradition. Yes. It's much yeah. like uh country and the blues, they sort of have that too. Got to you got to sing about a tragedy. Yep. Yep. Um I liked the uh the electric guitar in there was doing some really interesting stuff, not in your face and not no. overly complicated, but it just kind of helped move the song along. Yep. Whereas I think it would have been more somber if it was just an acoustic guitar playing. And I think it would have been more of a drag, uh, but with the electric guitar in there, it was just kind of moving it along. Yep. And uh, yeah, playing some really interesting lines. What happens when you play a folk song backwards? You get you get the um you get your girl back and you get the shit back and yeah, you know, yeah. It's just another take on the old, you know, country song you get your dog back, your truck yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. Slightly different, but same yeah. same kind of same, yeah. same concept, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um you gotta have some some reality in there, I guess. The melancholiness. 
but but if it's well see that's the thing that i think um some bands get too caught up in that you know um and that's all of their songs are that kind of down depressing kind of thing sometimes yeah some you know? yeah which is uh little unfortunate but that usually is a reflection of kind of where their spirit is yeah um, that's true and i think well the 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 one that comes to mind imme- immediately to me is joy division and mm. he wound up committing suicide so you know yeah. that's uh yeah he, he was not a happy fellow no which is sort of too bad because he was actually pretty talented Pretty um, talented. But yeah, his his songs could be a little on the downer side. Yeah. I'm not I'm not a huge Joy Division fan for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, no disrespect to Joy Division fans. I know they're a, a band that a lot of people like, and I have respect for him. I just I can't get into him mm. because of that. But uh yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's um and I think a lot of it I, I don't know. Yeah, um, some bands that it may it, uh, some of it too is uh maybe an image thing as well i'm not saying i'm not saying that about joy division i'm saying yeah. that about other bands where it's like sometimes yeah they can kind of sell the the melancholy well the emo uh, genre kind of made it an entire genre out of it yeah um not i'm not not all the emo bands were no, like there but, was some interesting stuff going on there, but the the more mainstream ones, I yes. guess, were marketed yeah. that way. And on and 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 they certainly weren't the first either, by no, any I stretch mean, of the imagination. I mean, no. goth kind of did it, and industrial did it, and there's actually quite a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that was primarily known for its uh, um, downer um, overtones. Yeah. Um, but then again, when you when you actually dig in a little bit deeper, it wasn't all necessarily that either. So, yeah. But yeah, they, they weren't necessarily all about the happy rainbows and gumdrops and things like that. No. Well, that's the other extreme too, and I can't stand music that's all no that either. <laughs> no, it's true. That's like toxic positivity. Yeah. Anyway, exactly. yes. Yeah. Um, um, I actually totally understand what that actually means when people said that i'm like yes that's yeah. actually exactly what i mean by yeah. that it's the people positivity that makes smile. me want to kill people yeah <laughs> yeah i'm positive that i'm gonna murder you yes <laughs> <laughs> anyway on that happy note we're uh, on to the last track of the album and it's called the great valerio Cool ending. Yeah, it's a good track to end on. Yeah, this um, album. Yeah, I uh, it, that track kind of surprised me a little bit with the uh, the chord progression, that mm-hmm. little bit of dissonance. Yeah, it was kind of like kind of switching back and forth between keys. I guess that yeah. was uh, interesting. Yeah, um, I love the intro with the. Uh, the uh, sort of slightly janky sounding uh, upright piano mm-hmm. in the background and the guitar started just doing that thumping thing. It was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a real, uh, it created quite a mood. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminded me of uh, the end of 
uh, Sloan's one chord to another album a little bit. The way it kind of oh yeah what what song is that? It's been a while since I've heard that album. It's one of uh, I think it's a Andrew Scott song. I think. Um. All the uh, oh, let's see. Uh, four hundred meters. Maybe that's it. Or are you thinking of the one on Twice Removed? Maybe I'm thinking of the one on Twice Removed. Um, it's uh, I know the I think I know the one you're talking about. It's uh, Before I Do. Yeah, that might be it. I yeah. think that's it. Yeah, where it just kind of it's kind of like um, she's so heavy, where it just abrupts abruptly ends is that where you're the one you're talking about well i'm i'm thinking of the fade out and with that uh upright piano sound and it's oh yes no that is you're right that is 400 meters yes is it okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i forgot about yeah i was only thinking i could only think of the the original i couldn't tie it to any the rest of the song so somehow 400 meters sounded wrong to me but anyway. yeah yeah that that's just sort of the vibe i got of this one yeah uh Again, like the two albums are nothing alike, really. No, um, but they have got. I would say they're both very high quality albums. <laughs> yeah, just but uh, just different from each other. Very different, different from each other. But uh, I can see some parallels. There's, there's yeah. uh, both of them are not afraid to to dig into uh, you know doing different things and 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 playing with uh, chord progressions and um, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I could sort of see a, a little bit of a, a thread between stuff like this and, and stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, that's just sort of what it reminded me a little bit of. Um, yeah, yeah I think this is a really cool song and, and I'd love ending albums that seemed on, on notes like that. It's, it's very cool. Yeah. Um, where it kind of just kind of drifts off. It kind of drifts off in a yeah. little bit of a. I don't know. Uh, it's almost unsettling, but it's not uncomfortably so. Yeah. Yeah. Just sort of like, um, uh, just sort of going further into the unknown. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I kind I know what you mean. It's, it's, it's a hard mood to put into words. Yes. It yeah. Is. I know. What like, you yeah, mean. I think it is sort of like a melancholy yeah. sort of thing. It's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, um, I'm pleasantly surprised with this album. Yeah, this album, um, I, I don't think there's a dud on it anywhere. No. Um, yeah, I mean, and and like I said before, the, each song is unique. It doesn't sound like the last one, but it all fits together. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes a great album. That's what great albums do. I mean, you know, whether it's, you know, a Beatles album or, you know, anything. I mean, that's, that's the mark of a great album is to make it all fit together. And they, they did it really well. It's, it is, yeah, I'm glad that they finally got the recognition they did, but it's a shame that they weren't recognized for it at the time. Mm. But I think they're still alive. So I'll have to check that. Um, Richard Thompson is 72 and Linda Thompson is 74. So yeah, they're still around. So, so thankfully they, you know, stayed around to get the recognition that they deserved. The album is, you know, pushing 50 years old. So yeah, 
which yeah. means they were in their 20s when this came out. So, yeah, early 20s. Uh, yeah, yeah, they would yeah. have been. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's amazing to me when I hear, um, oh, just not even music, but projects like, <laughs> uh, like, you know, Orson Welles was 25 when he did Citizen Kane. Right. Um, Quentin Tarantino was 25 when he did Reservoir Dogs. Um, grief. <laughs> like, gee, like the, these people who are making masterpieces and they're barely in their adult years. <laughs> it's like, yes. what? <laughs> you know? They're barely a decade out of high school. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Some people so, yeah. just have that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then this album, I think, fits into that. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I can't say enough good things about this album. I'm going to add it to my rotation of songs. And uh, yeah, I'm actually curious about their, some of their other stuff as well. Yeah. So, it's worth looking into for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say? Oh, you can wrap I, it up. The only thing I can say is I was a little bit surprised to find a, a song on there that I actually recognized. Yeah. Um, I thought that was kind of neat. It's just like, oh, that's where that came from. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So highly recommend this album. Yeah. This is a, this is a, a top notch album. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. If you haven't heard it before, uh, do. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, uh, you can check us out on, uh, at polyphonicpress.com. Uh, you can drop us a line at polyphonicpress at gmail.com and you can check us out on Instagram. And if you want to help out the show, you can do that by going to, uh, buymeacoffee.com slash polyphonic press. And, uh, that's about it. I'm Jeremy Boyd. And I'm John Van Dyke. Take it easy. <laughs>